the Cleveland Browns are 1 and 0. Welcome on into a brand new edition of the Real Sports Talk show as we get you ready for game 2 of the preseason this Friday. We will also be reviewing what happened in New York and then we will also be getting into the second episode of Hard Knocks as that will be airing on Tuesday at 10 o'clock on HBO. But first, the Cleveland Browns, for the first time in the last 17 games, even though it did not actually matter, have won a football game. And they pulled that one out in New York over the weekend on a 20-10 to win over the New York football Giants. Uh, it was kind of cool to see Rosser as Rosser's joining me in on the good old co-host seat. Yeah, it, it was good. Obviously, it's such a long wait. Um, not, not just since the end of the regular season, but since the end of the draft, we've just been dying to see these new acquisitions through the draft and, and when through free agency. You don't win a game, your off season is a thousand times longer than anybody else in the in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. Um but uh, enough filler. Let's just get right into the the meat and potatoes of this game, how everything exactly looked. Obviously, we knew going in that the first team offense was probably going to get one, maybe two drives max and Tyrod Taylor did not exactly disappoint, I would say. Uh, when you go 5 for 5, 99 yards and a touchdown, uh, that's good for pretty much a perfect passer rating in my book. Um, otherwise, the first team offense didn't look too impressive. Uh, Carlos Hyde only got one carry, uh, only a couple targets each for Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins. Um, Landry got pulled from the game because they didn't. He got the first drive, and it was kind of funny because Dustin Fox and uh, good old Bernie Kozar were doing the sideline casting, and Bernie and them they were talking about when they were riding to the stadium on the buses. Bernie snuck onto the first bus with all the players, you know, mostly all the starters and stuff, and he said Jarvis Landry and Tyrod Taylor were sitting next to get you know next to each other, so he sat down. And he started talking with him and stuff, and he said, you know, you only get one first play as a Cleveland Brown. And he said, you might as well make it great. And Tyrod said, well, you know, what would you do? And he said, if it was me calling that first play, I'd go deep. He's like, you got to go deep. And what did they do first play? Tyrod Taylor went deep to Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry adjusted the ball, made a phenomenal catch, and then goes out of bounds for like a 39-yarder. It was 32 yards. 32-yarder. It was awesome. It was awesome because every it was funny too because one of the things you don't see and one of the things you always hear people talking about with Tyrod Taylor is he never goes deep and the first play he goes 32 yards to Jarvis Landry again you know and that was first team versus first team that was awesome certainly setting a precedent that uh Tyrod does have a stigma about him uh not being exactly a a quarterback's quarterback known as a perhaps a slightly more mobile game manager, if you will. But he went out there and I guess you could say managed well in that one drive. But um, Two drives. The, two drives, sorry. Uh, but the majority of the game was played at quarterback by Baker Mayfield. We have to talk about that. Uh, 11 for 20, 212 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Uh, only sacked the one time. He, he But otherwise, he did look very good. 
getting out of the pocket and moving in the pocket as well. He scrambled for a couple first downs. Were you uh, surprised? Made some plays with his legs. I was not surprised no, no, by that. Were you surprised that now I watched I watched every play from the start all the way until about halfway through the third quarter, and then I just said, "All right, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to look at some of the older stuff later on when I catch some of the highlights." And one of the things that really struck me was Baker. Baker had a had a pretty good second quarter. He had a mm-hmm. pretty good second quarter, but his third quarter, his second half, he tore it up. He looked really, really good. But were you surprised that they did not unleash him in the two-minute drill? I was sitting here begging the whole time. I'm watching the clock, trying to see if the Browns get the ball back. They get the ball back. They had about 2.30, and you know everyone's, all right, is Baker getting the two-minute drill? Is he getting the two-minute drill? They ran a normal offense. They handed it off a couple times, and then they even punted. Were you surprised? Do you think that Baker's maybe not ready? Do you think he is ready and they just didn't want to unleash it? Because if you give him a two-minute drill in week one of the preseason and you're already saying that Tyrod's your quarterback but he looks good in that two-minute offense, you're going to have people talking. Yeah, in that respect of wanting to see what he can do, I am surprised. But you bring up that good point towards the end of uh, what you were saying and that you don't want to create too much controversy. You you still want Tyrod to be your your starter, your guy, at least for, let's say at the very least, the first half of the season. See how he does. You know, see how his market value plays. Uh, did we overpay? Did we underpay in that trade for him? Um, but but still, it, you wait all this time. You draft Baker number one overall. You do want to see what he's capable of on a football field, and uh, to to not give him that opportunity for for Hugh to stick with a more conservative game plan towards the end of that first that half. That wasn't him. I, I, that I, was I, well, I should say Todd Haley. Now I'm so used to Hugh being the one actually calling the plays, but now we actually have an offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, it, it's what was his biggest throw that you think? Like what what was the play? Or the throw, it, it even could even be the one. There's a there's three in my head right now, and that was the touchdown pass to Injoku, and I'll get into that throw. one in a second. Then there was the throwaway to Coleman, or not Coleman to Callaway, that everybody thought he was throwing it away, and then Callaway makes this diving catch on the sideline, toe taps, and then there was the touchdown to Callaway. Which one, what, or maybe there was another one that you thought of, but what was your, man, this is Baker Mayfield stepping in, because I, as soon as he stepped on the field, I already forgot about who he was, I forgot about Johnny, I saw a guy who was ready, and I also, one of the biggest things I saw was a guy who did not look short. Yeah, no, he definitely didn't play to his size, no. so to speak, he played... Bigger than he was from not only a physical stature standpoint, but also being his first ever preseason game. Uh, he he looked good in, in those throws. I, I like the the Callaway touchdown was nice, but I feel like that was more of a play on Callaway himself. What? Uh, yeah, it was a good throw. He but, put it only where his guy could get it. Correct, but he he still had to. To make the guys miss and run the extra 30, 35 yards or so. I was, uh, the 
the Callaway sideline throw and the Njoku touchdown, I feel, were were better throws. The the Njoku throw, maybe not so much. He, maybe you put it up a little bit higher. I thought that was my number one throw from him was the Njoku, and that was not even the throw. That was because it takes a grown man to make a play like that because that's not just, oh, well, I got Njoku going. That is a read. You are reading the defensive back to see if he has his back to you. So Baker read it, saw that Njoku was going to be open because the defender had his back to him. Baker put it only where he was going to get it. Touchdown Browns. Baker looked awesome. Oh, yeah. that that You could see on the play itself he was standing in the pocket, still you know, bouncing, moving his feet. He was going through his progressions, and he ended up hitting Njoku after sitting in the pocket for a couple seconds. That Callaway throw... Uh, on the sideline was great and I I want to say almost as impressed uh, with his mobility and his his awareness situationally his down the field vision never went away no it didn't and and the the couple plays where he was able to scamper for extra yards one of which was uh, a first down uh, in the red zone to to set up that I believe it was to set up that Njoku touchdown it was um yeah, it's just it's just overall great to see what he was capable of. But here's where we get into the negative because we we have to talk about the running attack, the 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 fact that the Browns as a whole and, and yes, the majority of the the payload was on rookie Nick Chubb, but when you go thirty three carries for fifty yards and you don't have a single carry with double digits, that is an immediate red flag. Even if it is preseason game one, you have to work those out offensively. It's- now, I the only things that I have to say about the... Now, I understand it's terrible. I understand that it's not a good stat. But you have to realize that the starting offensive line was in there for two possessions. And the basically the whole workload because Carlos Hyde had one attempt, and you know the front the front four for um, for New York for New York is good. is good. I don't now don't <laughs> think that I'm just saying that they're terrible and we should be able to run. But Carlos Hyde had one carry for negative one yard, and I don't even did Duke even Duke get had it? one carry for three yards. He had one carry for three yards. So your guys who are your one and two running back. When Duke's not in the backfield, he might be split out wide or he's just going to be, you know, that <coughs> that scat back, excuse me. But for them to carry the ball twice and your offensive line only see two possessions and then the rest was Nick Chubb, who is a rookie out of Georgia, and then you have an offensive line with, I mean, who who's all on there? Sean Coleman. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, there are guys on there who can be, you know, if a, if one of the front five go down for us, then you know they can step in. But as a whole group, yeah, it sucks, and you expect more. But I mean, I really was not that surprised. I thought it was all about Baker. I thought it was all you know. Baker's going to be throwing. The quarterbacks are going to be throwing. And in two possessions, Tyrod Taylor goes five of five for ninety nine. And Baker, what was Baker again? You said eleven for twenty two twelve. Eleven for twenty in two twelve. So. I thought the the actual line while they were in pass 
while well, they were in pass block, I thought they were really good. I thought they communicated very well. I know in preseason you're not going to see them running any stunts or anything like that up front. So you didn't have to see any crosses. You didn't have to see spin moves and stuff like that. But they held their own. Just, yeah, it, it does suck when you see a stat like that. And I expect that game number two against Buffalo, I do expect them to run the ball a lot more and a lot better. Yeah, and it was disappointing to see Chubb, you know, because he looked good in camp. He he looked very uh, aggressive and able to, you know, get extra yards after that first hit, but we just didn't really see that the other night. Um the big elephant in the room, though. Three, 13 penalties for 141 yards. That I especially the, don't care if it's preseason. The Get NFL that cleaned up soft. right now. The NFL is just too soft. This this taunting crap is absolutely terrible, which Denzel Ward, I love you, dude. You're absolutely a dog. You are already part of the dog pound. And this dude, I mean, my God. He went in there, and he put a freaking hit. And he stared over the little kid. You know why? Because he straight threw that little man to the ground. But that's also that's one ta- crap. That's one targeting penalty, yes. But you got to clean up so many. That's not so even many- targeting. That was well, not I, even was targeting. Taunting, taunting, it was taunting, taunting. And guess what? what? You should be allowed to show some to show something. Why can you not celebrate? You just put a nice, clean hit on a guy, which what it is a clean hit. Check out the last roster's rant for that one. But what is a clean hit in the NFL? He did that, and I was surprised. I thought the flag they were going to get him as a actual targeting, and then they get him for taunting just because he stared down at the guy. Who cares? Grow up. It, they're grown men. Who cares? Same with Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry got th- got pulled. It was actually a horse collar that was not called. That was a phenomenal to see, by the way. And he got yanked to the ground from behind. He got up, and he was pissed. So guess what? He's going to spin that ball in his face. Why? Because he also out-jumped him and got the ball. He outplayed that corner three times in that whole play and then spun the ball on. Why? Because he blessed him, and he fucking deserved it. I mean, there's not much I can say other than... Yeah, if you get a holding, that's stupid. You got to quit the dumb penalties like that, a simple clean hold that you can see. But a taunting, that's just a player showing some emotion. That's that's bull crap. The NFL is so soft. Terrible. At least there were, we didn't get hit with any roughing the passer. Those are the ones that I hate. You get hit with a roughing the passer and it's like super late or like the really, really like like plain as daylight you can see them doing a face mask those are the ones that i hate but if you get a taunting or something like that and sometimes you know they'll call a hold but i mean what is a tackle what's a hold they hold on every play yeah that that is true i mean you do look at any random play in the nfl and chances are at least one person hold. is holding on the line on either side of the ball there's going to be a hold it's just the way that linemen it's are told to, yeah, it's just the way that linemen are taught to, to get up in close, up under the shoulder pads, and actually hold them. It's when the jersey gets pulled out to the side, you know, you're out on the shoulder. You see a guy you, throwing his arms out trying to get the call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's crap. It's it's but it's a part of the game, yep. unfortunately. And um, so is the, so is the talk. Everything's part of the game, but it's just 
sometimes they try to take too much control, and I've seen that in some other sports too. And I, you know, just just play the sport, get paid, go home. And to be fair, this is also put the, on a good show. To to be fair, this is also the preseason for the officials as well. Several Clearly. several rule changes that have to be ironed out. Uh, not not just with the the helmet rule, but the catch rule. Um, making sure that the kickoffs are in, enforced better. Um, what do you think about that? You can't take – you know, remember when you do the kickoff, the the kicking team would get that little head start. They'd get that down mm-hmm. – you know, that downhill going to start going down the field. And they got rid of that too because they said guys were coming down the field too hard and, you know, getting killed. So well, it's, it's it was just... interesting, that's for sure, because I've never seen, uh, you know, even watching, you know, high school and stuff like that, you don't see it. I, it's – it's just not. It's not practical anymore to have kickoffs in the NFL. I, I I'm on the fringe here. I, I don't like. I don't like kickoffs in general. I there's I miss a old football. I, I go back to, um, uh, I believe it was Greg Schiano who at the time he was head coach at Rutgers when Eric Legrand became paralyzed on a kickoff and he proposed a plan that included uh, having the team. Instead of kicking off, starting with a punt, um, I, I feel like that makes the, the game a little bit more exciting because you give them 4th and 15, I believe it was, and they have the option of either going for it or punting. And it's, that it's just a bigger bigger reward with less of a risk physically. I just miss good old football. I mean, as kids... As I mean, you go in. You're in school. People do it. Do you remember just watching kids like when you know when we're going through school and stuff of just seeing kids just throwing their bodies at each other while you're playing recess and so or just like backyard football with your buddies, whatever it is. I just seen you know all these kids and that was football. And now it's just like you're trying to take away the kickoffs. You're messing with the extra point. You're messing with this. You're messing with that. And it's like. Why is it we can't just play the damn sport? And you you know in baseball, okay, well now we got you can only do so many mound visits. You can only do it's part of the damn game. And I understand that people want to okay, well I want to make it safer. Well, guess what? Football is a violent sport. You don't go into football thinking you're not going to get you don't go into the UFC thinking you're not going to get punched in the fucking face. You right, we- sign up when you sign that contract, you know, they showed Baker Mayfield, if, if for all people who watch Hard Knocks, they show him signing that contract. Some of them, some of the things that I caught while they were showing that was they were talking about, well, don't do this. Don't go rock climbing and stuff like that because your bonus won't isn't guaranteed. You get hurt rock climbing and doing all that stuff. You know what you're signing up for when you sign that dotted line and you get paid. What Baker, what Baker get? 25 uh, mil guaranteed? I would have to pull it up, but... Uh, this guy's getting paid $25 million and He's our second-string quarterback. Yes, he got he just got drafted, but guess what? He knows exactly what the fuck he is signing up for. So, for people to continue to... Well, it makes it safer. Roger, Roger Goodell's a loser. I'm sorry. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that in many respects, but I, I just want to touch back in with the uh with the browns for a bit uh if if you had to give an overall grade for the first preseason game given given 
the positives of the quarterback play, uh, some of the plays from the receivers, uh, the defense only allowing 10 points, um, but then throwing in the negatives of... First play, it, the Browns uh, gave up a huge run to Saquon Barkley. Yes, that, that, that was a bit demoralizing to see that. Uh, I'm giving it. the defense overall from what I watched. Uh, the defense gets a B plus. They don't deserve an A. They only saw Eli Manning for, what, maybe one or two drives, and then that Davis guy came in, and he was god-awful. That dude is terrible. Um, and then I'm going to just give the offense. I don't want to break this down into position-wise, um, but I, I think the offense as a whole, I think that they get a B as well too. Uh, if it was just a 7-on-7, seven seven, then they would have gotten an A. But it was not – they did not run the ball. They did not win on all phases of the game. But it was only preseason. So that that's my grade. I'll give them two Bs. But – and that's also just because, you know, like I said, it is the first preseason game. It's not – you know, you only saw Eli. And Eli looked pretty good. I don't even think Odell even – Odell didn't even play. Mm-mm, so no. that just kind of shows it. Jarvis only played, uh, I think, the one drive, maybe a little bit of the second. So – and, but one of the guys that we have not talked about, which I, I'll bring that up here in a second, but who was – what were your grades? Um, defense first. Defense first. Uh, I, I, would, I would also give a B um, just because, yeah, you're only allowing 10 points, but those, those 10 points did come uh, – We only saw Barkley for a little bit too. He wasn't in there long. We saw a lot of Jonathan Stewart. So, I mean, Barkley's first play, he almost took it to the, the house. The, so, who knows what would fir- happen. The first half defense did only allow three points. But, so, if you're if we're grading the actual starters, the defense did a phenomenal job. Um, but, you, you had to grade as a whole because you watched the whole game. So, the second unit, uh, you know, guys that aren't going to start, guys that are going to have to shuffle around a bit to try and find playing time uh your burgesses your orchards you know those guys have to make an impact because you you can't rely on the likes of carl nassib or uh, miles garrett to carry that front seven you can't say oh christian kirksey is going to be the only linebacker making plays no there's going to be guys subbing in and out all the time um just to try and get the, the first team break and that second team has to be able to slot in right away and, and you know step up and make plays just as just as much uh than the, as the first team defense but the offense however gets an a in my opinion uh the only thing holding it back from an a plus is the rushing attack um but everything gets tossed out just by the two quarterback play uh, Tyrod going five for five, Baker going eleven for twenty with two touchdowns, two hundred plus yards. It's it's making me so excited to be a Browns fan and to have not one but two competent quarterbacks on our roster now. Um, and and obviously you know the the greatness of Brogan being displayed in the fourth quarter there that you know <laughs> that that guy deserves. Uh, all the snacks in the world, he does. Um, all, all jokes aside, overall, a B plus grade. 
it is the Giants. They came off a rough season last year as well. Uh, but to, to come out with the win to, for the the first two quarterbacks to go out and just ball out and for the receivers to do their job, Callaway especially, I want to touch on him for a sec. Um, we've well, that, lost- was, that was the thing. That's, that was the next point as we move on to the last segment of the show. Um, Antonio Callaway, if you've seen him, it's because you play. You you watch the whole game. He was in there the entire game. Hugh Jackson came came out uh, yesterday and said that one of his punishments for being pulled over and not notifying the team and not letting them know everything that happened, um, he one of his punishments and one of the grueling things is basically he's running. You know, he's playing the entire game, and for a guy who sat out his entire senior year and had a long off season going into the NFL and even, you know, the the thoughts of maybe not getting picked and everything like that with all his off-the-field problems, Hugh Jackson sends him out there week one and makes him play every every single play. And, you know, there were a lot of people who were kind of pissed off about that, and honestly, I was very happy. I said that was a great coaching decision. You make the kid run and run and run and run. And instead of doing it at a practice field in Berea – you made him do it on every single play out there. And, you know, Dustin Fox, who was on the sideline, he even said Callaway was walking off that field dead. His tongue was hanging out, hands on his knees. He was sucking wind. The guy was completely exhausted, and I loved the decision by Hugh Jackson. Yeah, I, I initially didn't quite get it, but when you're having that guy – run his full route knowing that you know he's he only ended up with i believe seven targets playing the whole game three catches with that touchdown uh to have him just going out there and full sprinting and blocking and and him knowing that when he comes off onto that sideline he has to turn around and he has to see the starters which he was promoted to all the starters they didn't even have pads on they took their shoulder pads off they're walking around in jerseys I seen freaking Jabril Peppers doing it, you know, walking around just chilling the entire time. So for him to go off onto the sideline and he sees his other fellow players, kind eh, chilling, you know, drinking up on whatever they, you know, just relaxing, and you know he's got to go on there, strap it up, and go in for the next series in the third quarter of a meaningless preseason game. So I thought it was phenomenal. One, it, it helped him get into game shape, and two, playing football all my life. I know damn well I don't want to be doing extra stuff. I don't want to stay after practice and run sprints. I don't want to stay after it, during, go and play in a meaningless game and run the entire time. So I think it was a wake-up call for Callaway, and we'll see if he gets it. Um, this is one of those things that you know we, we have to give Hugh Jackson one last benefit of the doubt this year. And if... Things like this, things like this coaching decision of, of uh, making an example out of a guy that does something wrong, you know, holding players accountable, holding laziness or uh, off the field issues, holding their feet to the fire when it comes to that sort of thing. It, this is the make or break year for Hugh, and he has to prove that uh, Jimmy Haslam and John Dorsey should keep him around. He has to prove it to them, he has to prove it to the fans, he has to prove it to the players themselves that 
Hugh deserves their respect. And if if moves like this, uh, you know, result in positive change on and off the field for Callaway, uh, I think that's score one for Jackson on that one. Now, Hard Knocks episode two comes out Tuesday at ten o'clock on HBO. And the second preseason game, which for anybody wondering and wants to make it down, it is on Friday at Cleveland Browns Stadium. So the first time we actually get to see uh, your Cleveland Browns taking on another team in Cleveland this year. So tickets are cheap. I know I seen them on, I think, StubHub for like six bucks, something like that. I know you can just go in, walk in, go sit wherever you want, go get a good seat and see what see what's going on. I know that. Uh, a lot of people are kind of trying to make it for uh, the third one as they take on Philly, and that's going to be, you know, that, that's going to be the starters are going almost a full half, and then the fourth preseason game, nobody, absolutely nobody cares about. Most of the starters don't even play, so it's going to be interesting on Friday as they get ready to take on uh, Corey Coleman and the Buffalo Bills at seven thirty downtown Cleveland. Um, anything to watch out for? As we wrap up the show, anything to watch out for either this week, either with that game, whatever it may be. Uh, are you talking about the game itself? Anything. Or for, uh, you know, we got the Indians are down in Cincinnati for the Battle of Ohio this week. Uh, the Browns are, you know, HBO on Tuesday, game on Friday, um, train camp all this week. The you know the queue's still getting worked on. Any <laughs> anything that uh, anything that you gotta watch out for this week, Ross. Uh, watch out for more of Tyrod and hopefully more of Jarvis. Uh, and the the big thing uh, is not even a guy that's on an NFL roster right now. Des Bryant will be visiting this week. We it, heard, I heard it was Thursday. A Thursday visit uh, the day before the second preseason game. I, I got to believe that the odds are good that some sort of deal can be in place. If, if not... If not even for the Browns, that was Des Bryant. Awesome. Des Bryant does deserve to be on an NFL roster, regardless of who it is with. But he will. But you can't deny how exciting it would be to have three Pro Bowl. Oh receivers. no, I want him. Here's the thing: I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I'm watching the game and I'm on Twitter, and Des Bryant's over here. You know, the the reports came out before the game that Dorsey called Bryant and he wasn't answering and. You know, not re- not returning the calls, and people were wondering, well, does he even want to play in Cleveland? And then, well, Tyrod did his first drive, and then Des started tweeting, and then his phone supposedly died, and then Baker comes out, and then you see an okay Baker, and then Des Bryant goes, well, hey guys, uh, I'll be in Cleveland on Thursday, or I'm visiting next week, so go ahead and book it per Des Bryant. So. Des Bryant, he said it himself. He will be in Cleveland. A lot of people are saying it's either going to be Wednesday, Thursday. I th- saw that it was almost like an official thing that he will be there Thursday. So we'll hear about Des Bryant, and you guys will too, later on in the week. But I am all for Des Bryant. I would love to see him in Cleveland. Get it done. Bring him in and sign it. Sign him. Uh, sign him. Yeah, because, I mean, worst case scenario, uh, and obviously this won't. I don't think this will come to fruition, but worst case, you're either going to have Josh Gordon or Des Bryant with the potential for both. That's not even including Jarvis Landry and David Njoku and Antonio Callaway and Hollywood Higgins and 
all those other weapons that the offense has, that three-headed monster running back, I, I'm ju- I'm getting jitters just talking about it right now. Just It just keeps getting more and more exciting as the days go on, and that's not something that we've felt as Browns fans, I would say, in our lifetime, especially in the preseason. Any, any last words? Um... Go Tribe, take the Battle of Ohio. They're uh, looking good lately. Yes, they are. Uh, Clevenger's going tonight. Kluber's going Tuesday. And Shane Bieber. I have Bieber fever. Do you? I'm on Bieber. I am just not on Clevenger as of late. I hope he pitches good tonight. But I think right now, um, I think Clevenger might be one of those guys that are listed on the weakest link in this pitching rotation. Um, but I am definitely uh, Bieber I'm a believer, so I am definitely on that. Uh, go Tribe, as always. Go, go Browns. Browns. Uh, Cavs, we'll get to you guys later on. Um, but, you know, as Rosser did say, you know, he's getting excited. And I think one of the reasons that we're all getting excited is because we can actually look at this roster from not top to bottom, but for the most part, the starters, you guys recognize their names. And the reason why is because these guys have played within the last couple of years on teams, they, and you you actually know their names. We know Carlos Hyde, not only because he played Ohio State, because the guy's actually been a pretty good running back so far in his NFL career. He's not a superstar, but he's a pretty good player. Jarvis Landry, well-known. Tyrod Taylor, well-known. And we're, we finally got guys that we can all say are NFL-proven talent. But will it transition Week one against Pittsburgh Steelers, we will soon find out. But for the Real Sports Talk Show, like always, I am your host, Paul Jacobek, and for my co-host, Kevin Rosser, and the producer, Mr. Kyle Foisy, we will see you next time. Go Browns.